The 2021 Formula 2 season got underway in Bahrain last weekend. Guan Yu Zhou, Liam Lawson and Oscar Piastri were your three race winners. A brand new weekend format, two reverse grid sprint races and a feature race on Sunday for the very first time. It's fair to say that the new format certainly threw up quite a few surprises and plenty of excitement. I'm Joshua Sattil and this is the Formula Scout podcast. And as always, joining me is Elliot Wood, Craig Willard and Bethany Warring. So, Craig, we'll start off with you. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy weekend to kick off F2. Very much a typical F2 weekend. The format might be new, but the excitement very much remains. Oh, it's good to be back, isn't it, Josh? Uh, So covering Formula 2 and all of the excitement comes with it. Uh, But yeah, I'm very thankful that we've got a two-month gap now to Monaco because I'm certainly going to need it to to come down after all of that chaos from the weekend. Formula One had um, a race that went to the final lap and Formula Two had three of them. Yeah, it was very, very uh, exciting on it from from start to finish. Uh, Bethany, what did you make of the the weekend? It was brilliant. Uh, Formula Two is great. Uh, I think the rookies were fantastic. I think some of the older drivers were fantastic and... Because I wasn't writing about F2 this weekend, I'm ready for another F2 weekend this weekend. I don't want to wait until Monaco. I want one now. Yeah, it's quite annoying, isn't it? We have to, to wait this long. Elliot, you know, what was your biggest takeaway from the from the weekend? Uh, I think for me, it was a novelty to actually have an F2 weekend with, with video because I tend to only experience it through live timing. So... That was a big change. Uh, and also, I guess all of our pre-season predictions being thrown out the window almost immediately. That was quite fun to, to see how that played out. Yeah, definitely. It's quite a few surprises in there. Some things went as expected, but some things uh, very much not. I mean, it's, it's difficult to even know where to start. Um, but Craig, we'll, we'll go with you first and just kind of who stood out to you the most in terms of the drivers this weekend? Where do you want to start? Where does your brain go to? when you think about this weekend? That's very tough. Um, I think Guan Yu Zhou probably had his most impressive weekend, possibly in his junior single-seater career, to be honest. Um, the way how he approached the weekend, uh, not leaving any possible strategy on the table um, when it came to even things like qualifying, he went for a different approach to qualifying to all the other drivers and it paid off. He went for a different approaches in the second sprint race and in the feature race to what you, you would normally expect, um, especially from the driver that qualified on pole and it paid off. Um, so his pace throughout, um, no matter what tire, what whatever tyre he was on. And he wasn't particularly fond of the hard tyre he revealed as well um, after the feature race. Uh, whatever tyre he was on, he seemed to be able to to perform really well on it. And in the second sprint race especially, he was able to do all 23 laps on the, on the option tyre, which is very interesting indeed. And Craig, what did you make of that last lap battle in the uh, in that second reverse good race? I say last lap, I mean, it was pretty much for, for most of the race. It was thrilling to watch, wasn't it, between Joe Piastri, Lungard and, and so many others before as well? 
Mm, yeah, certainly. Uh, absolutely fascinating scrap between the, the Alpine juniors, which we thought uh, for the actual result was just between uh, Joe and Piastri. But it turns out that Lungard was in fact in it after all. Um, because we thought that we had a, he had a 10-second time penalty hanging over him, but he'd served it in the pit stop that he had made. So it, he was actually racing for the win in the end. And the, the Alpine trio went uh, free wide going into Turn 1 on that last lap. And um, as, as, as Joe revealed uh, after that race as well, or after the feature race as well, um, the the Alpine Junior uh, director texted him saying, "Well done on on yesterday. You only nearly tried to kill each other, though." <laughs> yeah, it was a it was certainly a, a very exciting oh. finish. Uh, Bethany, how was your heart during that battle? Did you manage to to watch it, or was it? Uh, it was quite tense to watch, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it reminded me. It reminds me a lot of. Um, I bring this up like every weekend. But reminded me a lot of Janetta Junior um, last lap, well, entire lap battle, entire race battles, where every single corner it seemed like there was another person who was going to take that win. It was it was stressful. And this that goes out the window, and you've got some great racing on the line. Yeah, definitely, it was good to see Elliot. What did you make of the Alpine guys this weekend? I mean, how do you think they they all performed? I think they all did a very good job. I know that Mia Sharazman, the director of the Alpine Academy, was stressed from the start. I think Joe mentioned that he actually texted him saying, you know, not to kill each other while they're at it. Uh, I think that actually validates Alpine's investment in those drivers because there has been some questions over, you know, if Joe is F1 quality, um, you know, if Lungard can win the title, if there's going to be a space in F1 for any of them. But going off that first weekend alone, brilliant stuff to follow to follow up on that i'm going to butt in here um uh, it se certainly seemed to be the case um that alpine is investing more and preparing these drivers more for formula one as well uh they're being given sort of the f1 style media grilling on a thursday now which i don't think any other uh, academy does and uh, it's just these little factors that um, Alpine are putting in to, to really prepare these drivers for Formula 1 and make them F1 ready that perhaps the Renault Academy as it was uh, from last year and, and backwards wasn't necessarily doing Yeah definitely it seems like a big push doesn't it so hopefully that will come to, to some fruition in terms of an F1 graduate uh, in the next few years but obviously we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, obviously like you said a very very good weekend for, for the Alpine Academy drivers but also for Red Bull back drivers as well I mean all, well all but one of them um, particularly Liam Lawson and uh, Jehan Daravala very very good weekends for both of those um, Craig you know Lawson first time out wins the race you can't get much better than that can you I was really impressed with Lawson this weekend um, his start was brilliant uh, in, in that first feature race um, and the way the how he you know, resisted the pressure from from Daravala was, I thought, absolutely brilliant. Um, his pace was really strong as well. He was in really good form uh, in the press conferences when we spoke to him 
Uh, he just really seemed to be properly enjoying his, his time in Formula 2. And I think his, his sort of style of driving uh, will work quite well in this particular championship. And he's already got a huge upper hand in terms of points over his very highly rated and more experienced teammate, Yuri Vips. Yeah, you mentioned Vips, obviously. Lawson and Daravala had a, a great weekend. But Elliot, for Yuri Vips, it was pretty much a nightmare, wasn't it, from, from start to finish or at least immediately after qualifying? Yeah, um, all the bad luck that's plagued him through 2020 continued into the weekend. I think the, the technical infringement that got him disqualified from qualifying was just a few millimetres of a part that doesn't aid performance um, in a way that's you know measurable in lap time. So really, really harsh that he got pinged there. Virtual safety car penalties as well in two of the races. Fair enough, that's done by speeds. You know, you can't argue those. But overall, he... He wasn't best friends with the stewards over the weekend. However, looking at the long run pace, he was actually, I think, the fastest person on the soft tyre in the future race. Um, so he set a one, well, 1,085 second stint over 10 laps, which doesn't really mean much in, <laughs> on its own. But uh, based on where he changed tyres previously, it was one of the most impressive. Same with Lawson as well, I think, because everyone who did very well use the alternate strategy. Lawson's actually the best on the conventional, to say. Yeah, and the highest uh, rookie as well, of course, in the standings, being in, in second place. Bethany, what did you make of Lawson, Daravala and, and Yuri Vips this weekend? Um, Lawson was really my standout of the weekend. I, I, I was expecting him to do well, but I didn't expect him to do that or well that quickly. I mean, it's... It's the first race of the weekend. It was a reverse grid race, but it was it was the first race of the weekend. It was the first race of the season, and you really want to get that down. And then Daravala right behind him. So that that's got to be a, a a good boost there for Red Bull. I I, I feel for Vips. I I do. He he showed that he has pace, and he showed that he's mm-hmm. a strong. He showed that he's a strong driver, and I'm sure he won't be pointless for very long. It was one or two things that hit him this weekend, but I'm sure he won't be making those mistakes again. Yeah, definitely. I thought uh, a pretty, you know, <laughs> the best is yet to come probably for for him. Um, Greg, what did you make of, of Dan Tictum's weekend? Obviously, the, the the Williams, well, along with Roy Nassani. What was he like after the feature race? Because obviously, you know, first feature race podium, I believe, for him. He was very much in typical Dan Tictum sort of form, really. So it was asked to reflect on the weekend and it was, it was just like... It's an eventful weekend, eventful career, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so he's he very much in his usual self. Um, but overall, so I, uh, he got caught up in a lot of incidents, some of which were very clearly his fault, such as the the one where he punted off uh, Richard Vershaw, um, which he, he totally owed up to and said that he, he, uh, he owes Richard a, a, a beer after that. Um, the run, the one with Schwartzman at the start of race two, it's very sort of divisive, really. I think um, I personally apportion a little bit more of the blame on him for for trying to cut back at such an early part of the part of the race when he really should have been expecting uh, someone to be 
you know, sending it down the inside, but he may not have necessarily seen what Schwartzman was doing in his mirrors. Um, and then in the feature race, he said that he was unfortunate with the the final virtual safety car, which was for a collision between himself and uh, race two winner Oscar Piastri, but I'm sure we'll get on to, to him a little bit later. Um, and on, on that occasion, I think Tickton was certainly more than enough ahead. And that was just a bit of a, a rookie mistake from, from Piastri, which is what, uh, Tickton also said in the, in the conference, uh, without having actually seen the incident, um, properly beforehand. But yeah, I, I thought Tickton had a pretty solid weekend, um, overall. Uh, but I, I mean, quite a few people got caught up in incidents and, and so forth. And if you're not necessarily got the, the the sort of pace that you really need to have, you are going to have to be trying some pretty bold things, I guess, uh, to really pick up those points. And sometimes it works and sometimes it very much doesn't. Yeah, interestingly, Carlin actually lead the uh, the team's championship. But Elliot, I guess that was perhaps expected because we've seen in Bahrain previously that Carlin are very strong. I mean, do you think they, they're able to get a good points all here? Or is it just kind of expected that they were going to, you know, get this kind of uh, points all and, and lead the championship? Yeah, I think given the advantage they had at the end of last year and in pre-season testing in 2020, you almost would have expected them to get more. And besides one race for Tictum, it's not like Carlin threw away a huge amount of points through incidents during the weekend. Um, you know, they were just simply outpaced. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Carlin did a good job, but if they're going to win the title this year, they should have scored a bit more. And on the long run pace, they didn't look particularly um, amazing besides Tictum's final stint in the future race. Yeah, I guess at least better than last year's season opener where their two drivers ran into each other, I guess. So a bit of an improvement on that. Um, let's talk about Robert Schwartzman because obviously that's who um, pretty much most of our team thought is going to win the title this year. Um, but he had a very, uh, you know, a very tricky opening weekend, let's say, to his uh, championship bid. 16 points on the board, fourth in race one, and then seventh in the feature race. A very, very good fight back. But then obviously had that incident that, uh, that Craig mentioned in the, the second race. Craig, how did you see his weekend and kind of where did it fall apart for Schwarzman? Um, it fell apart pretty early on, I feel. Um, he didn't seem in the best sort of mindset on Thursday when we had a chance to speak to him. Um, he didn't really didn't like that. Um, I gave him the the title favorite tag, and he, he said he, he wasn't particularly fond of that. Um, and then in qualifying, it was his car stopped suddenly, and it turns out it was it was driver error because he applied so much brake and throttle simultaneously that the the car entered a, a failsafe mode. So he found himself pretty low down on the grid while well, in the mid pack. Um, recovered pretty well in the first race, to be fair. Um, and then in the second race, yeah, just was perhaps a little bit too overambitious at the start, um, to, to some degree. But as I said, um, I, I think Tickton was perhaps a little bit more at fault for that one, but, uh, the collision in the feature race is, is certainly not the sort of incident I expect to see a driver of Robert Schwartzman's caliber having really, 
to be honest, uh, wiping out both Roy Nassani and Alessio Deleda on the spot um, at the start. But his comeback from that was pretty good, I thought, uh, to come back to seventh. Um, very, very solid uh, in the end. Picked up a, a handy number of points, um, but he still finds himself pretty low down the championship order at this point. Yeah, and crucially behind his new teammate, Oscar Piastri, the, the reigning F3 champion. Sticking with you, Craig, I mean, how did you assess Piastri's first weekend in the championship? Because for me, you know, one of the stars until that very small mistake at the end uh, with Ticton, with, which had obviously big consequences. He described the second race, the, the race that he won, um, as the craziest race of his life. And yeah, you, you don't tend to get races that crazy in the likes of Formula Renault Euro Cup and FIA Formula 3. So I, I can certainly agree with that sentiment. Um, he, he also performed his first pit stop in in a race as well, which he was uh, rather scared about, but it worked out very well for him. Um, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant in that second race. He he bided his time and made the move stick when it mattered the most. Um, and that's really what won him that race, I thought. Um, he, he said that he still needed a, uh, to learn quite a lot because he said that on the, on the harder tyre, he was a little bit uh, substandard, really. So um, it didn't go all his way. Um, and then in the feature race, uh, he, he was pulling off some absolutely fantastic moves, but perhaps was just a little bit overambitious uh, in, in the battle with Tickton. He, he perhaps should have been a little bit more aware that Tickton is the sort of driver who isn't going to to leave you any space. Um, but I guess that will come with with learning at the end of the day. He, uh, uh, something that a lot of the rookies that we spoke to said it's all about learning at the moment and even if you are performing very well that still means that you still got a lot to learn um even at this level yeah definitely i think a, a really solid start for piastri uh yeah really really good stuff uh bethany i remember you said that piastri was quite underrated by quite a few people in the preseason podcast i mean you know how did you assess his, his first weekend in f2 I was completely blown away. I expected Oscar to do well over the course of the season, but I did not expect it to come that quickly. Um, even compared to the other rookies, I, I Piastri didn't dominate um, Formula 3. He had a lot of problems. Some of them, most of them weren't his fault. But I, I was completely amazed. And he really... Uh, obviously... The mistakes in qualifying for Schwartzman happened before Oscar's domination of the, not domination of the weekend, but Oscar's performance of the weekend. But after that, there's got to be a, quite a bit of pressure on Schwartzman now to not let his rookie teammate keep doing the same thing every um, weekend. It, it was brilliant. Uh, I, I loved it. Uh, so he's come up from British F4 into this, so I'm it was it was it was really exciting to see but it's the first weekend and i don't i i think we need to stress that it's the first weekend and we can't say that this is going to carry on through the whole season i i don't want to say that about any of the drivers just yet yeah, that's very true. And, and Bahrain can often be quite uh, an outlier, can't it, when you look at the, the whole season. 
And obviously as well, remember back to last year, we had obviously Schwartzman as a rookie as well, bursting onto the scene, looking like a championship contender. And of course that fell away. I mean, not to say that that's going to happen this year, but it's obviously something to to consider for, for Piastri. Um, Elliot, what did you make of, of the Prima duo, um, looking at the data and stuff? Schwartzman's comeback was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Even if the, the points totally got at the end of the weekend uh, doesn't reflect that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going going through Schwartzman's feature race from the very start, the actual incident where he hit Roy Nassani uh, into Alessio Deleda, it was quite a strange one because you have the 100-metre breaking boards, per se, going into the corner and the 50-metre one. And the F2 cars kind of normally go on the brakes halfway in between those two. Schwartzman went on the brakes very early. And at this point, you don't normally put the foot down, you know, fully to the floor on the brake pedal. He, he immediately locked the front left. And he's still like 80 meters away from the corner, which is really weird. Um, and I think he hits Asani around like 50 meters away from the corner. And then after that, um, you know, the crash is done. He'd already slowed his car down enough to then escape through the corner pretty fine. So I'm wondering if that was a combination of the sand at that corner, although someone else ahead would have probably crashed if that had been the case. Also brake bias, like Craig said, he was, um, you know, with throttle and brake application earlier in the weekend, it hadn't gone his way. So it's quite likely that would have been the same thing here. On his recovery, because obviously he pitted very early on as a result of that damage lap five. So he had a lot of clean air and unsurprisingly, he was the fastest driver um, on the long runs in both of the stints in that race. I think fastest by around half a second a lap in total, uh, which is quite a bit. Um, overall, you know, good weekend for him. I think he did show that he can be a title contender, just not the dominant one I was expecting him to be. And with Piastri, I think he adapted incredibly well to the F2 car. Like, just looked totally at home in it, looked totally at home in the championship as well. Uh, and that battling at the end of the second sprint race was not only amazing on its own, but because it was a night race, all of the data, you know, they had from pre-season testing and post-season testing last year as well, you know, not very applicable at all. You've got completely different temperatures um, and the wind was really picking up that evening. We went from like five kilometer an hour winds, I think, in sprint race one to around 20 in sprint race two. And then it varied a bit in the, in the feature race. So it wasn't a very good race to, you know, to be doing lunging moves down into turn one. But the amount of times he did do it and passed elsewhere as well, very competent, very confident and definitely a title contender now. There we go. Quite a quite a bold statement, but uh, I've got to agree. I mean, yeah, one of the best races in the field, and um, definitely provided uh, plenty of entertainment. Let's talk through some of the other drivers. Um, Craig, who else do you want to talk about? Maybe someone like Richard Vashaw, David Beckman. There was a few other names, weren't there, that had a, we, a, quite a good weekend. We absolutely need to talk about Richard Vashaw because I think it's absolutely criminal that he's not on this grid. To be honest, on off the basis of uh, of this weekend, he was absolutely sensational. I thought uh, he qualified. I think it was fifth after Vip's disqualification and was running very well as well in the first sprint race before he got hit by Tickdom. Um He recovered superbly in the in the second race as well from the back, well into the points. And then in the feature race, he he very much looked like a, a race-winning uh, contender uh, before he just faded a little bit. Um, but I think experience uh, started to show a little bit uh, in that race in particular. You, you could see 
why the likes of Joe and Tictum uh, are as good as they are because they know these cars a bit better and um, were able to to really capitalize on that. Um, but I, ju- I just find it absolutely astounding that um, we might end up at Monaco and Vashore is not there because he certainly deserves to be, uh, that's for sure. Um, other drivers I want to give a shout out to, uh, certainly David Be- uh, Beckman for for nabbing a podium on his debut, um, given that a year ago he wasn't even set to race in FIF3. So it's quite a turnaround over the past year for him. Um, he, he, when I asked him about that, he just happy. Um, so that, uh, that's really good to, to see for him, um, I think. Uh, a driver who certainly struggled a lot more than I was expecting was Felipe Drogovic. Um, we know that Drogovic can can drive well around here because he, he won here last year. Um, but he, he got caught up in a really, really uh, iffy incident with Lawson, I think, in, in the second sprint race, which I know Lawson was uh, very miffed about in particular. So... I, I did expect a little bit more from Drogovic this weekend, but there's certainly more to come from him. Yeah, I wonder if it's that kind of case of how we kind of talked about in the in the preview. If, uh, you know, he's very, very good at leading out front, but maybe when he's in the mid-pack, Elliot, he does sometimes struggle. Uh, Felipe Drogovic, you know, perhaps gets involved in a couple of too many incidents. Certainly this weekend, that seemed to be the case. Yeah, I think in our preview podcast, I said that when, you know, he's in the dirty air of another car, he just tends to struggle with the confidence um, of what he's doing with his own car. And also, particularly between the two tyre compounds, there there was kind of a step between most drivers and their pace. But with Drogovic, there wasn't really, you know, he was setting the same kind of times on the soft tyre as he would on the hard. So I'm wondering if he's not actually optimising one of those compounds at all. And he's kind of fighting that car the whole race uh, in each of those races. However, he was actually the only driver in the first sprint race to, you know, get 10 clear laps um, on the hard tyre, which was pretty impressive. I think given we saw how good he was at Bahrain last year, this is probably a one-off that he's doing this badly this weekend. And, you know, you're not going to try risk overtakes at track like Monaco, are you? So if he is mild in the midfield, He's got to accept he's going to stay there uh, the next round. And Elliot, sticking with you, I mean, Richard Vashore is pretty impressive, right? I mean, it's quite quite a peaky career. And I guess this was a, another peak in that career. Yeah. Um, yeah, the last regular season win he had was in the Formula Renault Northern European Cup, I think. Uh, obviously, he's won in TRS and he won the, the non-championship Macau Grand Prix as well. But uh this is the, the first time he looked like he was going to win a race in a regular season again. Um, it's a shame he didn't. He did very well. The, the actual drop-off towards the end of the race was, I think MP had the same issue as Dams, and it was very evident with Dams, the same as last year, on the restart laps. Um, although Vershaw did actually gain positions on one of them, um, his tyres didn't you know, then stay up to temperature over those first three laps after a restart, and it then start dropping back again. I don't think that's a driver thing. I think that's a team thing. He, he certainly proved he belongs in F2. And a great shame if he doesn't turn up again. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, well, I know with, with, with Armstrong for sure, but it was because obviously they had like half, they pitted them and the safety car, Craig, kind of came in quite early, didn't it? When they, they were about to restart, it didn't feel like the, the safety car had been out that long. Those guys came into the pits and they just had kind of no chance to, to get the tyres up to temperature. I think Armstrong was was mugged already by turn one, wasn't he? So uh, perhaps not much of a chance. But yeah, how, how did you rate Armstrong's weekend as a, we're talking about him? Yeah, Armstrong's uh, another one who I think sort of like didn't necessarily get the the results that um, the, the performances deserved. Um, I thought, like like Joe, he he tried mm-hmm. um, to do the whole of the second sprint race on a single set of softs. Um, I think his car came to a halt in that one it was one of the races that his car came to a halt for sure um i remember that much there's <laughs> so much that went on throughout the weekend it's quite difficult to to piece it all together to be honest um even after a good night's sleep um but yeah i i thought armstrong's um speed overall was actually pretty pretty fine um he he's one of the sort of those drivers that we sort of mm-hmm. had on the cusp of are they possibly going to be a title to contender or is Dams not quite up to the challenge? And I think as, as Elliot has already uh, touched on, it's a little bit tricky if Dams isn't quite up there, but I think with the way that this championship is going to go, even if you do have a slight car disadvantage, if you have things fall your way, and Armstrong didn't on this occasion. Um, and if you drive well enough, then I see no reason why you can't be a title contender right through until the end. Yeah, that's very true. We saw a good mix of different teams up there, uh, or different drivers representing different teams. Um, I know Armstrong got basically uh, in the first race, his car came to a halt. And that was when Boshong nearly ran into him, wasn't it? Uh, I think, well, Boshong did, did run, in, run into him and uh, break his wing. And uh, he had to retire. And then second race and third race was kind of safety car timings. Uh, just didn't play into his hands. Had done a good job in the second race, but then safety car came out and, and kind of ruined that that strategy for him. So, uh, yeah, pretty unlucky. But like you say, plenty more chances to, to impress, uh, especially in such a tight field. Uh, Bethany, is there anyone we haven't talked about or anyone we have talked about uh, that you'd like to mention? Perhaps someone like Teo Porcher or Liram Sandeli? I, I, ju- I kind of wanted to... I, I know we touched on it at the beginning, but Christian Lungard's um, race two was super impressive. The fact that he got to the end and we didn't even realise he'd taken a penalty. Like, it, it's got to be pretty impressive to do to do a whole race, finish second, and for nobody to realise that you'd been stopped in the pits for 10 seconds or however long it was. So I think if, if Lungard can keep doing that but without receiving the penalty part then he'll, he'll have a really good year yeah Craig it was a pretty crazy race wasn't it especially afterwards plenty of confusion and no one really seemed to know what was happening yeah certainly um, yeah definitely we were we spent sort of like trying to spent ages trying to work out what exactly was going on um, but we all got there eventually. It turned out the FIA had so much to keep an eye on that they didn't have a chance to be able to review whether Lungard had actually taken the, the penalty or not during the pit stop. 
So when he got refused access to the podium, he was absolutely justifiably sort of confused as anything. So it took a little while to to really figure out exactly what was going on. Uh, Fom's graphics had him down in ninth. Uh, the FIA classification had him down in second. So it was really sort of uh, confusing as to what was going on. Uh, with Lundgaard, I'm a little bit surprised. He had a couple of scruffy moments at times, picked up a couple of penalties that he perhaps should have avoided. Um, but otherwise, I thought his speed throughout the weekend was absolutely brilliant. Um, he was very annoyed to miss out on pole by three thousandths of a second. Um, he said that one hurt, um, especially to, to Joe, his fellow Alpine Academy mate if you will. Um, and on Porsche Air as well, he was very unlucky in that first race, uh, which he inherited pole for um, after Vips's disqualification, uh, was running very well in that. But the way how he recovered in the, the second sprint race and um, also performed in the feature race, I thought was exactly what we were expecting from Porsche Air. Um, it's just absolutely a joy to watch, if you will. Um, and he's got absolutely bundles of speed as well. So I don't think we've seen anywhere close to the best of the ART drivers yet. Yeah, definitely more to come from them. I'll just quickly kind of wrap up, wrap up the rest of the drivers, maybe point out a few things. Obviously, we had Marino Sato scored only, I think, what is his second point in F2. So good job from him. Matei Nanini at HWA, I thought actually did quite a good job. He was ninth in the, the second uh, sprint race uh, and then tenth in the feature race to pick up a point. Gilham Samaya was actually pretty good on pace. His first two, two races, or at least in terms of position, were actually quite strong. He was kind of holding his own quite well in both of the first two races. So it was good to see some, some better speed from him. Obviously, probably slightly uh, a more competitive team from this year. But even so, he looked a bit more in the mix at the back there. Um, rather than right at the back being a bit more in the in the fight, which was, I thought, good to see. Ben Viscal as well was pretty unlucky to come away with zero points, but I'm sure we'll see more from him. And as unfortunately, as I think, uh, well, everybody kind of predicted the pre have had quite a difficult run, um, but did show some good flashes of speed. So, uh, yeah, very much the, the best is yet to come from, from him and, and from those guys. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the weekend structure and just people's overall impressions of this new format obviously it's very early days and we'll have to see how it works at street tracks and other tracks and on different weekends but bethany what did you make of this new format and and how it all played out uh this weekend um it played out fine i i don't really have much of an opinion on it I, i'm kind of reserving judgment until we've seen it a couple go for a while I, I i had a realization this weekend as well that having the uh, having the feature race last probably isn't a good thing if an f if f1 qualifying for example had to be postponed and then knock back the knockbacks on the f2 race but if it had to go on on sunday but that that's hopefully that's just that's not something that's going to happen Overall, I it was all right. I'm still not sure about the fact you can earn more points from the two reverse races than you can from a feature race. But 
we'll see how it goes. Elliot, what did you make of the, the format now we've had a look at it? Uh, I think with Bahrain having lots of runoff, obviously drivers were very cautious in race one, but in race two they dropped that caution because you know there's less at risk. But with four street circuits this year and Silverstone as well, where you know if you have an off at high speed, yes, there's runoff, but you're probably going to hit something. Uh, I think Bahrain's going to be an exception almost. I think drivers are going to be a lot more cautious going through this season. We've got another test for the next round, so there's going to be more mileage on components as well. Um, I think teams are just going to be pushed on budgets, to be honest, so drivers uh, won't be providing the same amount of entertainment as we, we had. Another bold weekend. prediction. <laughs> don't don't tune into F2, guys, because they're going to they're gonna be uh, not providing too much excitement. Craig, what, what do you reckon? I mean, it was a crazy weekend this weekend because there were so many penalties, weren't there? So many incidents. Um I mean, it did provide a lot of excitement. I think that's for sure, isn't it? But I mean, was that down to the format? Would that have happened anyway? What do you reckon? I'm very glad that F1 managed to have an absolutely scintillating season opener without any manufactured grids or anything like that. Because while Formula 2's new format has proven to be exciting off the bat, if you will, I don't want uh, Farm or the FIA or whomever to to use that as justification for for applying a load of gimmickry to to Formula One. Um, that said, um, obviously this weekend the new format makes makes our job a, a lot more stressful um, as well with with more races to cover and and more more drivers to talk to and, and all that sort of stuff. But that's all part of the game for us at the end of the day. Um, I think sort of like generally, uh, I, I think people generally quite enjoyed it. The drivers seem to cautiously enjoy it, although they're not necessarily particularly fond of the, of the grids being flipped so many times, if you will. Um, and I'm certainly reserving all of my judgment um, more for when we do get to some tighter street circuits, such as Monaco, for example, um, where overtaking is pretty much impossible. I do think Bahrain generally with Formula 2, it's always absolutely exciting from, from start to finish with the with the peril of possibly having sprint race pit stops and a feature race held in conditions where um, like the, the track isn't, it is pretty much just destroying the tires. So Bahrain is generally pretty exciting as it is, especially in formula two. Um, so I don't think it's at all surprising that this format um, likewise was, was very exciting. One thing that has sort of like been worrying around my head for a little while is that if the format is going to make the championship even more competitive than what it is, and I mean, in my head, I'm sat here thinking we might have 12 different race winners from seven different teams again, um, like we had last year, but all of them could well be championship contenders now. So... That means at least two drivers 
who could be vying for a title are going to come away with zero super license points from this championship this year. And I find that absolutely crazy to, to even comprehend. And I do wonder if whether with a bit more of a conventional format, um, the, we may have slightly bigger gaps in the championship at the top. Um, but uh, is that worth the, the trade-off at the end of the day? It, 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 there is no sort of right or wrong answer. It, it's always down to, to an individual person's interpretation of it. Um, I personally would like to see a bit more, you know, a bit more uh, fluidity with with how a weekend goes, having it a bit more conventional. Um, because I think Formula 2 is exciting enough without having all of the the randomness and, and, and things like that to, to, to really shake things up uh, more than it perhaps necessarily needs to be. Yeah, it can be organically random, can't it, rather than, you know, artificial means to, to make it random. It's, it's kind of random on its own. I mean, if I had to make a very small change and you had to keep three races, I'd just simply make the first race, you know, not a reverse grid. And just use the results of qualifying or the, or the second fastest times in qualifying. Um, even if they want to keep it as a sprint race, just set the grid from qualifying. Like it, it does seem a bit daft to have two reverse grid races out of three. Is uh, I think a little little extreme. I mean, we get we'd get mixed enough grids anyway. I mean, just look at the qualifying results from last year, and it was it was pretty varied between you know most of the field. So I don't think it's a a huge issue, or it wasn't really a, a big problem and, and something that needed to be done. Equally, perhaps as well, I mean, changing it to the top 10 as well that gets reversed is perhaps a little bit extreme, but I guess it's something that the, uh, the midfield, midfield teams in particular will be uh, very, very happy about. Um, this is a question that I'm not going to ask every weekend because sometimes it's very obvious who was the best driver on a weekend or who was the, the standout. But this weekend, I think we've had quite a few standout drivers. So I'm going to ask each of you for your standout driver. You can only pick one from this weekend. Who impressed you most? And uh, we'll go with Elliot first. Who, who stood out uh, the most to you? Oh, that's a difficult one, that is. I'll have to say Richard for sure. Why? <laughs> uh, well, he, he turned up with... Well, he did have testing time, like everyone else. And he did a very impressive in testing, but he didn't actually have a deal to race until you know, days before action begun. So to, to turn up under those circumstances and look not only quicker than most people, actually just look more comfortable, like we mentioned Schwartzman didn't. I think that just shows a lot about his character. And Yeah, definitely, especially with two street tracks coming up next. I mean, we definitely need to, to see him back. Uh, Craig, same question to you. Um, I think Guan Yu Zhou is the standout driver for me, uh, mainly because he was the only one to go for a, a risky strategy in qualifying and it paid off. And he really should have won two of the races this weekend as well. Um, if not for, for that, uh, safety car in that sprint race, uh, I, he, he, the fact that he was able to, um, drive so well and so consistently, on those soft tyres in that second sprint race just 
like just boggles my mind to be honest that that's just one of those sorts of performances that just should not happen and he was almost able to pull it off um and i i think he masterfully executed the the feature race as well uh forced Tictum into overdriving a little bit um like we saw with with Hamilton and Verstappen in in the in the Grand Prix itself, so yeah, I, I think Joe Joe gets enough for me this weekend. Bethany, how about you? Uh, Liam Lawson, I was just really super impressed with him this weekend. I, I the the first the first, winning the first race is fantastic, and I think he backed that up in race two, even if the results don't quite show it. Or race three, I honestly cannot remember. It's been such a crazy weekend. Was, uh, yeah, Oscar Piastri for me. So we've got, you know, four different names there. I think just shows how competitive uh, this weekend was, how many different stars there were. I mean, this Formula 2 season is is definitely worth, you know, keeping an eye on. And obviously stay with, with Formula Scout for plenty of news and features about that. I know that Craig will be writing or is writing or has written quite a bit of stuff about this weekend. So... Definitely uh, check out the website for that. There'll be plenty of features. Um, Elliot, would you like to tell us what's what's going on with the site and in single seaters in general at the moment? Yeah, um, I think it's worth mentioning what's happening in America last weekend, which was actually even crazier than F2. Like, I can't, I genuinely cannot believe uh, what happened in Formula Regional Americas. Uh, so basically, the winner of this year's title basically gets a drive in Super Formula next year, which is, for some people, almost level to F1. For some people, it's below F2. Um, but essentially, it's a professional series through and through. And we had some very not unprofessional driving in Formula Regional Americas this weekend, but it was just constant chaos in the season opener. And Kiffin Simpson, who I think he's Barbados-born, but based in you know one of the even smaller islands in the Caribbean, uh, he joined the new TJ Speed team and he just dominated the weekend. And this was a driver who had never even looked like going on a podium prior to, to this weekend. Uh, so to think that him or one of his rivals might be in Super Formula next year is a bit of a uh, eye-opener is the best way I can describe it. It's really uh, hard to describe. And I'll, I'm hopefully going to go and talk to either him or the TJ Speed team and, and see what exactly happened over the weekend. And same in USF4, there was a bit of rain uh, during their season opener and caused a bit of chaos. And Jason Older won two races. Same thing, he hadn't particularly looked super fast um, in his previous appearances in single-seaters, but he looked the most competent driver and he was fighting wheel-to-wheel pretty much every race with Noel Leon, who is the reigning uh, NACAM F4 champion. Uh, So good racing there. Coming up, in the next few days, obviously, we've got Craig running through uh, what happened in F2. We might have some analysis of data as well. And we're going to do a kind of a collective thought on the format as well. Uh, but we've also got a lot of testing. We've got Formula Regional at Paul Ricard, Euro Formula at Spa, uh, FIA Formula 3 is going to the Red Bull Ring. And then coming towards the end of the week, we have the uh, Road to Indy. Kicking off again. So and what about most stories as well this weekend was about Juju Noda. I mean, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it's kind of a repeat of the controversy of last year where Jay Howard Drive Development uh, looked very, very quick in practice, 
very, very quick in qualifying for the USF four mm-hmm. season opener. And then they got excluded from the first races. And there was there was no proper explanation given immediately. They had to turn up at the time. And there's been some suspicions in that paddock for the last 12 months. And uh, their drivers withdrew from the series soon afterwards. So Juju Noda was driving for JHDD, topped practice, and then didn't turn up in qualifying. And the way she topped practice after not looking particularly fast in testing for uh, the Academy Winter Series as well, raised some suspicions. Obviously, there were some other um, alternative rumours that people um, speculated about, and Noda Racing had to deny that, that it was anything kind of motivated personally against Juju. Um, so I don't think we're going to get the full story on that straight away. However, they, they've said she's going to be returned for, for the next round, but I, I doubt that's going to be the case. Personally. When is that next round? Is that a we few weeks? Will we, will we have longer wait? Um, <laughs> I can't score. see it here. It might be quite a while. It's quite a while, isn't it? I think it's, it's May. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's 16th of May, Road America. Um she does potentially have the option of racing in Europe by then if she's old enough. Yeah, definitely a story so, to keep an eye on. So definitely, uh, you know, keep an eye on former scout for that one. I'm sure we'll have all the, the latest news uh, when it is released. But uh, yeah, that's everything from us on the, the first round of the, the 2020-2021 Formula 2 season from Bahrain. A very eventful weekend. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. As we mentioned, check out formulascout.com for all the analysis post-weekend. But until next time, Thank you very much for watching and listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. What hash brown? Bye. <laughs> Bye.